This is Room 64, a podcast about palliative care from Barwon Health. I'm Dominic Black. And I'm Christine Brooks. And in this episode, we're going to hear a personal story from Sue Ritter. She's going to talk to us about her experience in palliative care, what it's like to find out that your loved one's dying and how palliative care can help. Sue's uh, story is amazing. Um, she's currently a volunteer with Bowen Health Palliative Care Team and started a couple of years ago after her husband Pete died. So um, this is her story, but in fact I actually think it's their story. It's her story and Pete's story together. The concept of palliative care to me was death. It was the end of life. Um, I mean, Pete's words the first time he came here was, how many times am I allowed to walk out of here? And it was encouraging when the nursing staff and the doctor said, as many times as you can. Pete was room 66, 72, 71 and 73. So we had uh, a variety of rooms for my husband. (laughs) There's numbers emblazoned on your... Yeah, they're very much emblazoned in my mind. Even to this day when I go into the rooms now with patients as a volunteer, you know, they're emblazoned in my mind, Um, especially room 73 because that was where he passed away. What, what was he like? Um... Oh, unique. He kept to himself a lot. He was quite a loner. There was always that wall. When I first met him, there was that really heavy brick wall. He wasn't one to show emotion. Um, he didn't really get on with his family. Um, but he was, look, he was just the most caring, loving person. Never wanted kids. I didn't want kids, so that was a perfect relationship. Do anything for me. Um, never had a fight in... 24 or 5 years. We had one disagreement and we agreed to disagree, but we never had an argument. But you'd never want to raise your voice in front of him because he would just cower in the corner and just walk away. And I think I feel proud, and, and he did put it in his life story, that I brought the best out of him to be able to show some emotion. And he realised how it actually felt to be able to show emotion. You know, he got that sense in, in the latter days, uh, maybe in the last probably 4 or 5 years of his life that it was okay to show emotions. that, And that was why when he asked me to marry him, I thought he was pulling the leg and he'd had too many brandies and I just burst out laughing and said, pull the other leg. I, I suspected with Pete that he was had, had some problem because he had a cough for about 12 months. So I kept on saying, you've got to go and see that about that cough. Uh, finally he did. And when he told me he had lung cancer, I really wasn't that surprised at all. So I think I had it in my mind that there was something serious. And when the nursing staff and then they called the doctor on, um, the community doctor out to see him and talk about palliative care, I was very much for it um, and I felt comfortable with it. So did you have any sense of um, trepidation before, or did Pete, about, about coming here before that first visit? I was open to anything, um, especially to get the pain managed, but Pete was very trepidatious. He didn't want to come out, hated hospitals, had bad experience when he was an adolescent, so said, I'm not going there, I hate going. And fortunately, he had a great GP who convinced him, go and have a look. Then we had the community nursing staff come around and visit and because his pain was so bad, they said, look, why don't you just give it a try? You don't have to stay. Just go for a couple of days and that way the doctors can at least get your medications right and you can come back home. So 
against his better judgment, he said yes. He chose to say yes because he was in so much pain. I mean, he had lung cancer. Um, it was certainly didn't happen overnight. It was an eight centimetre growth. Um, so it, he probably had it for about 12 months before he was diagnosed. But it became harder when it turned to his bones. So that was when the pain. He didn't have any pain with the, the lung cancer. That was, as he said, that was at least of his worries. All he had was a cough. But it was when it turned to the lower back bones um, and that's when he had to have the pain managed. So, and as I said, I can't do it at home, Pete. You know, they've got to show me what to do and how to do it. Did you and Peter have a sense of palliative care, like before all this? Did you? Was it? Because I, like, I found it with my mum. I found it all a bit of a shock. It was like, well, really? And I had no clues, none whatsoever. So, did you have any sense around that before all this happened to Peter? I did have a sense of it, Christine, because my sister was in here some 12 years ago with, um, with once again, with lung cancer, brain tumours, uh, but I only had a very short experience with her. But it was I still didn't understand what palliative care was about, to be perfectly honest. I didn't want to know about it. It means the end of life and, you, you know, a lot of us, like most, a lot of people, you know, we don't want to talk about death, even though we have to. Over this period, um, I guess there are practical things that, you're sorting through across those weeks. Can you just talk me through, like, I guess the process of getting ready for what you know is kind of coming down? down Fortunately, Dominic, we had our wills already done, uh, so they were up and ready to go. Uh, We got his advanced care plan done. Uh, Peter had had been so organised. I mean, I've never known him to be that organised in his life. He sorted out the solicitors, he changed, um, you know, bank accounts straight into my name, car got transferred into my name while he was alive because otherwise it was going to cost a fortune. So, you know, he, he thought of everything. Pete and I had been together 25 years. We never wanted to get married because we didn't want children, so we chose not to get married. He got diagnosed in the uh, early December 2014 and we're, a couple of weeks later he's, we're sitting around and having a glass of brandy and he said... Where there's a will, there's a family, so I think we should get married. And I just burst out laughing, thinking, oh, yeah, pull the other leg. You've had a couple too many. Um, But he was serious. So he said to me the next day, he said, no, I'm dead set serious. So then he had to go in for a bronchoscopy, so we got married a month later. I found from when I was married, I was just a carer. I was looking after him all the time, you know, having... I now understand what it's like to have children. You keep one eye open and one ear open when you're sleeping. Um, And I was doing that the whole time. But then I could actually let myself go and, you know, go and give him a cuddle and a hug, even though I did that at home, but you were cautious of don't hurt him, be careful of, you know, all the tubes coming out of his tummy and that. Um, Whereas in here... I could say the nursing staff are trained to do that. I can actually sit back and talk about, you know, our trips and our things, not are you in pain or do I need to help you with something or do I need to take you to the toilet? Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful feeling um, and it was nice because they reassured me that, you know, you can do as much as you want to do in here, but we are here to do that. So they gave me permission to be a wife again. It sounds to me like all of that was pretty you know, apart from the obvious grief, but it was pretty, uh, pretty smooth process. Do you have a sense that that was um, largely because of his, him and his personality 
and or do you think there was something, some uh, support or advice or information you got through being involved with the palliative care unit that helped with that as well? I think it was Pete's attitude right from word go. Um, He said, yep, I've done it to myself. I've got cancer, so let's make the most of what we've got. He wanted quality, not quantity, so he didn't have treatment, um, and I backed him 100% on that. I think it also helped being so smooth because of the positivity I got out of the ward as well as the visiting health nurses from home. They, they came out daily, so we, you know, expecting them every morning about 10 o'clock, so I'd have the kettle on and, you know, and they would, they would take the time, even though they were probably flat out, but they would always take the time to spend half an hour with you. Um, you know, as, as time progressed over the first three times he was in for pain management, um, it was all very positive. I went home every day, but we knew the last time when the doctor came out, um, and she just sat on the floor with Pete, arm on his knee, and just said, mate, I hate to tell you this, do you want to die at home or do you want to die in palliative care? And he, Pete looked at me and said, what do you want? And I said, well, for my selfish reasons, I would really like him, you to go into palliative care. We've got some really happy memories in this house, and I don't want you to die at home because I don't think I could live here after that. So he went straight away, he said, yep, okay, that's it. Um, it then gave me... The, the chance to be a wife, not a carer anymore. I still cared for him. I did his showers, I did his shaving, you know, got him to the toilet, you know, did all of that type of stuff, got him outside to have his cigarettes, of course, you know, as you do with lung cancer. Um, so, Absolutely, that's what you do. <laughs> but as the doctor said to me, Sue, if Pete hasn't got a cigarette or a glass of wine in his hand, he's dead. And basically the day before he died, he didn't have a drink or a cigarette. And that was when it was really just so convincing and I knew that was it. He was gone the next day. The, the hardest was when I think when he died was, which I didn't think I'd be able to stay with him while he was dying because I couldn't do it with my mother or my father. And I was wondering how I would go. And I said to his sister who was there and also his best mate, Dave. And Dave had promised Pete that he would sit with me whilst he was dying. And I said to both of them, look, I don't know how I'm going to last in this room, but I'm going to do my best. And I, did, I, I was very proud of myself. Um, sat there and just stroked him the whole day. I just wanted him to pass because the suffering and it was just awful. You know, the last stages, you know, he was just getting injected so much. It was just, staff were absolutely phenomenal. I was just so lucky. So I didn't have a lot to think about, which was so good. The only thing I had to think about, which I had to ask him, I said, Pete, I really want to organise your funeral before you go because I'm not going to be able to do it when you pass away. And he said, I don't want a funeral. So we, we compromised because I said to Pete, I know I'm going to cop it from your family that they're going to want a memorial service of some sort. So two days after he died, he was cremated. So we didn't have a coffin at the chapel we just had a memorial service which was a party it wasn't it was one of his mates did a eulogy which wasn't a eulogy it was just talking about his life you know we walked into uh, the songs that were playing was the Blues Brothers showing the pictures 
um, you know, they did a few pictures of us on holidays, uh, was to Sweet Home Alabama and at the end, full blast, thank goodness for the nursing home, there, uh, not the nursing home, the chapel, it was just beautiful, they put on Highway to Hell and, and we handed, the kids handed lollies out and it was, it was just a big party. There are times that I think I didn't, I mean I've grieved, I grieved while he was alive. I grieved through that six-month process. Um, I felt, sometimes I felt really guilty that I wasn't crying and I wasn't, I talk about him positively because it's always been a positive relationship. I don't see any negativity whatsoever. And yes, dying is part of life and it happened too soon. Is that where, is that where the struggle was for the both of you in the sense of just dealing with that? sense of frustration and the, the fact that he knows he's going to have to leave mm. before he's ready, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, Dominic, and it was, it, was, it was frustration. We never got angry. It was the cards that we were dealt, and unfortunately it was sooner than we wanted, you know. He was only 57 when he died. Um, it, was, um, it, it, it was probably more the early stages that I went, oh, you know, I was the one saying, oh, that's unfair. He was saying, no, it's not. This is, this is what's been given to me. This is what's been dealt out. We're going to make the most of it. Like the example was when he went to the doctors, the specialist, um, Jeremy Kales, and Jeremy said, look, Pete, there's not a lot we can do. You can have a bit of radiation. And he did have one session of radiation only so we could get on the aircraft and go over to Vietnam. So we did that. But he got to do what he wanted to do. And, and Jeremy said, you've got time for a bucket list now, mate. He said, I'll give you, you know, at least a couple of years before you pass away or before you get really unwell um, that you can't do anything. And Pete said, I don't have a bucket list. He said, I've done everything in my life that I've wanted to do. So I'm just frustrated that Sue and I are in a financially comfortable situation. We both worked our butts off and I'm not going to be there to enjoy it with her, but she's going to enjoy it because I'm going to make certain she is and I'll be looking down on it to make certain she enjoys it. And by goodness, I am bloody enjoying it. Yeah, she sounds like she's enjoying it, right? Oh, she's she's amazing. <laughs> that was great. I, yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting. She's very encouraging in a way. Like clearly, she over time has been able to come to terms with what happened and allowed herself to live a happy life. Right? I think encouraging is the the right word, and good honour. You know, I just think that's that's lovely, and yeah, um, yeah. we've been so lucky to be able to talk to Sue. If you need any more information about palliative care, if you want to just uh, dip your toe in the water and get a feel for what it's about, go to barwonhealth.org.au. And uh, thanks for listening. I'm Dominic Black. And I'm Christine Brooks.